sabrosura para ti que qué. Hello everyone, this is Pam, the Café con Pam, the bilingual podcast that features Latine and people of the global majority who break barriers, change lives, and make this world a better place. Welcome to episode 268 of Café con Pam. Today, we have a conversation with Catherine Vasquez. In a few weeks, NASA will be launching the test rocket that will soon take humans back to the moon and then on Mars. Artemis One. One of the key engineers in the project is Catherine Vasquez. Catherine helps manage the project office that will ensure a steady supply of cargo, experiments, and other station supplies to the lunar station that will orbit the moon once the rocket proves successful. Born in Miami, Florida, Catherine is bilingual and uses her position as an engineer at NASA to inspire the next generation Latinx engineers, scientists, and astronauts. Listeners, this conversation with Catherine was so fun. First of all, it was great to find someone like me <laughs> who was born in the U.S. and then grew up in a different place. So in Catherine's case, she grew up in Venezuela. I grew up in Mexico City. You already know this. So it was quite fun to connect in that way because it's rare <laughs> to find people like me in that specific regard. And so this conversation with Catherine was not only inspiring, but also encouraging because as you will hear her share her story about getting hired or getting, you know, I'm not even going to spoil. I don't want to give you spoilers. But the point is that you will feel inspired and excited to see possibilities. When I heard about the opportunity that we had to talk to Catherine, I was like, oh my gosh, of course. When do I talk to another Latina that works at NASA, you know? And so I, of course, said yes. I was so excited because having someone that looks like us allows us to see that it's possible. So if you have little girls in your household or nieces and nephew or daughters, maybe invite them to listen to this conversation so they could also see how they could become engineers, they could be mathematicians, they could work at NASA and do incredible work. And another thing is that with this interview, I had been testing rapid fire questions for a couple of episodes, but this one we went all in. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna give you all the questions. <laughs> and I think it was fun. So I would love to hear your thoughts on the rapid fire questions. Do you like them? Do you want me to keep it going? There's been two episodes so far that I've recorded like this. We kind of started with Patti Delgado and then with Catherine. I was like, you know what? That sounds fun. I talked to the team and they were like, yeah, it sounds like it would be a fun thing to kind of like close with to just drop some questions where people could answer quickly. And of course, you know me, I didn't come up with questions that were able to answer quickly. So... <laughs> They're a little bit deeper and more thought-provoking. Pero no importa. El punto es que, you know, we go fast. Y bueno, I will let you enjoy my conversation with Catherine Vasquez. Catherine, welcome to Café con Pam. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. So where are you tuning in from? I'm in uh, Merritt Island, Florida. Nice. And what's your heritage? That's the first question that we always ask. I was born in Miami. My parents are from Venezuela. When I was two years old, about two years old, my parents decided to move back to Venezuela. So I did all of my elementary school there. Spanish is my first language. Then I came back to the United States when I was 11, around middle school time. Oh my gosh. I'm like you. 
I was born in LA and I grew up in Mexico City. I was reading your bio. Yeah, it sounded very similar. <laughs> I know. So I don't find people like me often. So for me, it was quite interesting to be a U.S. citizen, have that privilege, but still be treated as, a, as an immigrant. Yeah. Because you came, you have to learn English and you're placed in the ESL class. So how was it for you? Same. I, I, like, like I said, I was noting a lot of similarities. Yeah, I, I came back and I was essentially a, a foreigner, right? Even though... I'm an American citizen, but I had to come back and learn the language. I was placed in these classes too with other people that were international, people from all over. It made it a little bit more difficult, right, to have to learn the subjects in school and also have to learn the language at the same time. It was challenging until one day it just clicked, you know, the language. Mm. And then, you know, so between middle school and high school, I, I think I made that transition. When I got to high school, I was I think, pretty proficient in English. How was it for you to make friends? And you talk about being an introvert. So, like, it's a lot of transitioning for someone to transfer countries, transfer languages, new school, new people. How was it for you? It was challenging. Luckily for me, though, my older brother had come before me mm. and was in the same school in middle school. So he, he knew the teachers and he took me under his wing, so to speak, and took me around. We weren't in the same classes, but he kind of showed me the ropes in a way. So, you know, the transition wouldn't be as hard. But, you know, it was a challenge. But I, I take that as part of my story. It's like For you sure. Can, you can move countries. You can learn other languages. You can adapt, right? And still be successful. Yes, yes, yes. Did you have any mentors or champions that were like, we believe in you, Catherine. You, we believe in you. You can do this. Todo el tiempo. Along my journey, I've had, you know, mentors. And if, if they're not easily accessible, I kind of seek them out. I've learned mm. to do that. In school, it was teachers. You know, to this day, I remember teachers like that made an, an, an impact in my life. I was one of those students that would be in the hallways kind of reading up for, for the next class. Mm. I remember this one teacher saying, oh, you're going to be a doctor or lawyer or engineer one day. Like, and that, that stuck with me. Wow. You know, I have reached out to him and told him that, like, you made an impact in my life. And, you know, at work, I now seek mentors. I, I understand the importance of, it, of having them. And you went to Miami, right? You grew up in Miami? I grew up in Miami. I did my undergrad there. And Miami is like a very Spanish-speaking place. So did you really have to, like, did you feel like you had to learn English? Was it mostly for school? That's interesting because, yeah, Miami is international and there's a lot of diversity. However, school is a whole other animal, right? In school, you're sort of forced to learn English. If I was just out, you know, Spanish was fine. But in school, yeah, I was immersed in that world and I, I had to learn English. Mm, for sure. And then, well, keeping Spanish at home because my parents only spoke Spanish. Right. So it was also important to preserve that. For sure. And so this one teacher says, Catherine, you're going to be a doctor, engineer, or something like that. And that kind of like stuck with you. When did you decide that you wanted to go to college? Did your parents go to college? My dad went to college. He was uh, in Venezuela a, a teacher. He was a math and physics teacher. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with math and and science, you know, right. sort of in my blood, in my background. I was always good at it. My mom did not go to college. And, you know, she sort of raised us part of our lives as a single parent. 
And I saw her struggle a lot to, you know, to raise my brothers and I, taking out jobs here and there and sort of try to make it also in a new country with a new language, you know. So I, I told myself at a very early age, I have to do something. I have to go to college. I had that drive, you know. I have to go to college and do something with my life so that later on in life, you know, I'm not struggling as much. So when I have mm. kids, I'm, I'm able to have more stability. She was my driving force. You know, she taught me that resilience. You know, I told myself, yeah, I have to go to college and, and I have to have good grades because my mom can't pay for my college education. So I need to be on scholarship. So that was my, you know, my motivations. And so then you go to college and how do you decide what to study? So then I go to college. Well, I, like I told you, I grew up around math and science. I didn't know what that meant at the time. Mm -hmm. But then when I was in high school, my mom also was instrumental. I told her one summer, I remember saying, I, I want to get a summer job. You know, I don't want to study during the summer. I just want a sort of a mental break. And what did she do? <laughs> she had heard of a program on the radio of a summer program for kids in high school. It revolved around engineering. And then when I heard about it, I was like, no, I'm not doing it because still school. I'm going to be studying. <laughs> it's, yeah, still going to be studying all summer. She said, just go. When I got there, it was like an interview and we had to take tests. So I went and oh I God. did well in the test <laughs> and all that. And it ended up being what they call a summer immersion program in engineering that was organized by the local university, Florida International University. So it was a great program. You know, I, I got in and I like, okay, I'm going to do it. I did it. And I ended up loving it. I think that that changed my thinking, you know, that, that opened me up to the world of engineering. Like, oh, this is what engineering is. I, I like this. Mm. This is what I want to do. So in high school, I already knew that I wanted to be an engineer. And, you know, I, I thank my mom for that and that program. Mm. You know how they say, like, mother knows best and they know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's fascinating. I wonder if she knew that it was an engineering program or if she was just like, it's something to do in the summer. Like, I heard that it's a summer program. Let's just, you know. Well, she knew because she knew it was um, sponsored by the university and the College mm. of Engineering. So she knew and she knew my background, you know, in, in math and science. So she's like, oh, this will be perfect. It ended up being perfect. <laughs> So you go through the program and then you're like, okay, that's engineering. I'm about it. That's what I want to do. And then you decide your major. Yeah. So I got into FIU. I was accepted. And then I start with, you know, the core curriculum. I, I wasn't sure which branch of engineering I would go into. I took a few classes and here and there, like com computer engineering. And for a while I thought civil engineering because I really liked uh, architecture. But then eventually I... The more I got into the classes and investigated, the more I thought, I really want to go into a field that, that is diverse in what I can do. So a mechanical engineering offers that. And I found that, you know, like with a mechanical engineering degree, I could do so many things. I could work with space. I could work with automotive. I could work with aviation. So I'm like, okay, I chose to go down that path. I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so did you know you you like were you always like I like math because engineering is a lot of math. I dated my dad is an engineer. I did engineer, and when I dated this dude who was an engineer, is like I would see him do homework, and I'm like, those are like hieroglyphicos. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> It gets to a point where you you're not even seeing numbers. 
Yeah. It's all symbols. Yes. <laughs> so I guess what helped me was having a strong background in math. I had my dad's influence. Like when I was in elementary school, you know, he did homework with us and sat with us. And he had like this little riddles and things he used to come up with for us to learn formulas and for us to learn equations. So so his methods kind of stuck with me. And I always got good grades in those subjects. Mm. So I think naturally I, I fell into the the field, you know. I did struggle. I'm not going to tell you it was easy through college. It, I did hit those roadblocks where I'm like, hey, I have to take all this math and more math, it's a lot of all math. the calculus. And, and then, but once you're, for me, I, I was already on the horse, you know. I have to see this through. And that's kind of my personality. You know, once I start something, I'm like, I have to see this through. It's, it's hard. I'm struggling right now, but I'm going to push through it. Ya empecé. Y lo voy a terminar. For sure. For sure. I hear you because I wanted to be an architect. I didn't know how the school system worked in the US. I was just like, me voy because I'm a US citizen, apparently, I guess. And like, según from what I hear, like you can go to college, right? Well, nobody told me that student loans were like alone. <laughs> yeah. And the financial aid office was like, oh, here's some money because you can get some money. <laughs> and so what happened to me is that I went, I thought, porque la Universidad en México, no sé si es así en Venezuela, pero en México es like huge universities and like una mini ciudad and all the, mm -hmm. the majors are there. And I didn't know that the U.S. has like division one, division two, like el punto es que When I went to the counseling office, I was like, okay, so I'm ready for the architecture program. And he was like, no, you have to transfer to a different college. We don't have that. And I was like, what? That's so weird. Pero because I was in that path in high school, I did high school in Mexico City. I did do calculus and physics and chemistry. And ooh, that was that was a fun trip. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sort of a different world when you come from another country. Yeah. See, in Venezuela... Very, very similar. But I guess I wasn't there for that part, for the university for part. Yeah, part yeah, so yeah. It's a little bit different for me. Yes. But yeah, todo el sistema es diferente. Y la cultura es diferente. Right. Yo no sé si Venezuela es igual, pero en México la escuela, like elementary through high school, is intense. I mean, I took calculus and trigonometry and physics and chemistry and like statistics and classes that I... It wasn't until sophomore year in college that I would have mm -hmm. had to take. And so I don't know if it's like that in Venezuela. But See, very similar. And I think that was one of the things that helped me, you know, had that strong background. Yes. Having done those years of school in Venezuela con un sistema diferente, más estricto. Mm -hmm. Then to transition here, you know, I already had a solid background to build upon. For sure. For sure. So, you know, I, I'm glad I have that, that mix in me of like, You know, I grew up part there, part here, but I, I still have the culture. I still have that in my blood. And then transitioning here, you know, I have the other side. For sure. Totally. So you went through college and you're an engineer. And when do you like ponder about space? So while I was in college, one of my professors, because I had good grades, he kind of handed me this this paper, this handout, and said, oh, look at this. The university is offering a, a scholarship program, and you have good grades. I think, you know, I think you should look into it. And he, he wasn't even a science or math teacher. He was, uh, I think I was taking macroeconomics from him. Oh, 
I did not like that class. Yet. <laughs> I think he had this vision already of me, you know, that I didn't have. Wow. Sure enough, I look at the paper and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to apply it. I don't know anything about it. I just know that it says NASA, that one of the sponsoring organizations says NASA. So I apply, I write all the essays for it. There, I think there was an interview also. I, I threw the whole thing. And then I kind of forget about it. And then a couple of weeks later, I get a phone call from the associate dean of engineering telling me that I, I was accepted into the NASA Honoris program. And then obviously I had more time to read about it. And I found out that only five students out of the whole university were accepted. And I was one of them. Oh my gosh. And part of the scholarship, well, it didn't only pay for your whole school, like it was a full ride scholarship. But in addition to that, they gave you the opportunity to do internships at any NASA site during the summer while you still were in college. That was my door into NASA and into space. It was life-changing for me. Like It was the opportunity of a lifetime to get accepted into the scholarship and to be able to also maintain it throughout my, my whole college career because mm-hmm. I had to keep my grades up if I wanted this. So I did. I, I managed that, and I, I did internships at Johnson Space Center, Jet Propulsion Lab, and then eventually at Goddard Space Flight Center where I ended up getting a job. So that was my window, you know, in, into space and into NASA. Okay, but let's deconstruct that because I have a lot of questions <laughs> in between. <laughs> How did they tell you that you made it? Was it a letter? It was a letter for you to come to, to an orientation session at the College of Engineering. Okay. And I'm like, okay, this, this might have something to do with the application I submitted. And then, you know, we got there. It was five of us. And that was the first time we met, and they told us you guys were accepted. You were chosen to be in the only part five of this program. Women. Yeah, only five. How many women? Two, just another woman and I. Okay. How many women of color? Also two. It was for minorities. This program. Nice. So all of us, all five of us. That's cool. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. cool. Good job, NASA. Yeah. Okay, so. You're in there, you make it, it's five of you, and you're like, oh, I did not realize it was just going to be five of us. All right. Did you ever feel, maybe not there, but maybe when you went into the first cohort, or I don't know what to call them, did you feel out of place? Like, is this not for me? Did you ever feel that imposter? You mean within engineering or within just the the work field? All of the above. I didn't. When I was in the program, I, I always felt you know, very included, but the program was designed around that. Right. The program would send us to conferences, but they were also part of the SHIP, Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers. There was a lot of inclusivity there as well. I didn't start to feel different maybe until I I joined the workforce. I I ran into some of those things (laughs) Mm. that you may be alluding to. (laughs) See, porque, I mean, it makes sense. If you were in a program that's all based on bringing underrepresented people, then, of course, like, you're kind of going with a group of people that look and sound like you. And so it's like, okay, it's, yeah. it's for us. Yay. And then you get into the workforce and it's like. That and actually, it just jogged my memory. Before that, during my schoolwork, I was a minority because I was a, a woman. Right. In classrooms full of men, really, because STEM careers then, I mean, maybe not so much more now but then we're like very male yeah male dominated i like to think that things have changed a little bit <laughs> a little, we're getting there yeah i want to do my part <laughs> to encourage that 
but yeah, I was I was a minority there, and then in the workforce also, I was a, a minority. It's very male dominated for sure. Did it ever, as you were maybe in school, when you were like finding yourself in rooms where you were like maybe one of the few women in the room, was there ever like comments of like women can't do math or, you know, those like ideas that have been placed on little girls? Yeah, yeah, there was. There was. And then when it came to like, for instance, like choosing a group or a team for a project. Mm. You tend not to get picked. You, you have to be really assertive. Be vocal. Sell yourself. like, And not so much sell yourself, but be vocal and be forward. And like, I'm here and I'm part of this class and I'm going to be in one of these groups. <laughs> yeah. And that I've had to carry that through my career. It, it is very much like that still. You know, I have to be vocal. If I want to be heard, you know, I, I have to make myself be heard. There's moments of frustration, I, I would say, and and you're like, am I invisible? I'm not invisible. You know? mm. I'm, I'm as, as much part of this team as anyone else. If Maybe I'm an introvert. Maybe I'm quiet. That also, you know, plays a role. So I've, I've had to kind of step out of my shell there and make myself be heard. Yeah, it's a real process. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm oh, sure. I try to work at it every day. <laughs> Okay, let's take a coffee break and then we'll move into what you do now. Okay, Catherine, do you drink coffee? I do. I'm actually drinking iced coffee. Iced coffee. <laughs> do you have a favorite coffee shop that you visit? I know this is unpopular opinion, but Starbucks is not my first choice. Good. Good. <laughs> my first choice, I love the iced coffee from Duncan. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yes, actually, when I travel and I am kind of like going through airports and they have Dunkin', I go to Dunkin' before I go to Starbucks. The Starbucks coffee for me is a little bit too bitter. Mm -hmm. That's why I prefer Dunkin'. It's not as bitter. Anymore. Correct. I agree. On my end, I want to give a shout out to Santos Coffee House in San Diego. And I haven't been in a while, but it's cool. It looks like a church, kind of like their artwork is like a church. And they have an outdoor patio and it's like fun and like, I want to say simple, but it's like a classic coffee shop. You know, it's not like hipstery. It's like, come and get your coffee. <laughs> and like, we have donuts and bagels and like, go on your merry way. You know, it's not like you're going to leave with. I mean, maybe now they have, but it's, you know, they're not going to make you like a chamomile, lavender, mint, latte, whatever. <laughs> like, it's just like, get your coffee. They keep it simple. That's what I like about them. <laughs> maybe they've changed a little because everything is hipster now, but shout out to Santos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's go back to the show. <laughs> Catherine, I want to hear about your judo. Oh, <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> So I should back up a little bit. During high school, because I was so immersed in my studies, I needed something to kind of take the edge off, kind of like be like a stress release, a different activity that didn't require so much using my brain. Yes. So, so I, I took to sports. I always liked sports growing up. So I'm like, okay, I need to join a sport. And it was really instrumental in, in helping me through through high school, you know, through the stresses of high school and all that. And it brought that inclusivity also. Being part of a team mm. is great. You know, they kind of take you under your wing and they show you the ropes if you're an underclassman. And that's exactly what happened. I, I played water polo in high school and I did swimming. And that was my other activity, you know, besides studying. So in college, I, I took that principle with me and I said, okay, let me find something 
that can give me college credit also. Yes. So I started with a, I think one class that was one credit and it was judo self-defense. I'm like, I was always intrigued by martial arts. I'm like, okay, here's my chance to try it. And I did, I, I tried it and I ended up loving it. Contact sport. So like if you have, you know, aggression yeah. or stress or you can just leave it all on the mat. And yeah, it served that purpose. I, I started just as a college credit and then I kept taking it all throughout college. I joined the club. They had a club at the university and we used to practice three days in the evenings. And then ended up moving through the ranks because I really liked it. Earned my black belt and even competed uh, at the World University Games in, in Korea. It was a really, really cool experience. And I made so many friends, lifetime friends that I, you know, I'm in contact with them now. So great times. <laughs> That's awesome. That's like a fun fact of <laughs> being a black belt. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, what? I'd like to throw that in there. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned being the teamwork, but now looking back, did judo from, I mean, because you do, I mean, all, it's all the sports, you know, like water polo, judo, CrossFit now. So how did being a part of these sports or like being an athlete shape your career, if at all? I think that um, sports teach you discipline, primarily discipline and structure, right? And, and I think you need both in any career. I don't think it has to be technical. I think in any career, it also teaches you to sort of respect something. You know, respect uh, at the time in high school, a, a coach, right? Then mm-hmm. you show respect to his coach, and then you you kind of grow up that way, respecting figures of of authority, and then taking mentorship from them, taking what you can from them, learning from them, and it helped me in high school a lot to balance. You know, like then the coach will talk to me, okay, you need to balance your schoolwork because you still need to give your grades up, but you need to come to practice. You cannot skip practice, you know. So it kind of teaches you balance and, and structure and discipline, like I said, and, and that's I've carried that with me throughout. Mm-hmm. And then collaboration. Yes. It's another huge thing, right? Being part of a team. You're not alone. And I, I apply to that every day in my career. We can't get to the moon alone, right? We can't get to Mars alone. It's, it's going to be a collaboration. It's going to be teamwork. So that's another huge takeaway. For sure. For me, I was a dancer. And so it's very simple. I mean, it's a team as well. And yeah. so it's that collaborative. And I was talking to a friend recently about like being a team player because she was dealing with like one of her team members who's not a team player. <laughs> and I'm like, ask her if she was ever in sports, because if she wasn't, then that element of like, we're working together and we are like una cadenita instead of like individual whatever it makes a difference you know and then it turned out that she wasn't <laughs> in sport so i do i think it's very important for kids for the listeners who are who are listening with little ones to put them in in any kind of activity that is team oriented because it helps a ton mm-hmm. shape the way that you show up in the world and the collaboration that then you welcome completely agree totalmente cox knows that when summer starts your family no para So they have a new internet packages at an everyday low price with the same speed and flexibility that you expect from Cox. Y también, they include panoramic Wi-Fi equipment at no additional cost. Es internet that keeps up with you, all with no annual contract, which means no pesky early termination fees. 
With everyone at home, it's nice to know that when they're connected, they're protected with advanced security from panoramic Wi-Fi. Y cuando estás on the go, stay connected to what matters most with access to over 3 million Cox Wi-Fi hotspots. Después de un día de mucho calor, cool off with a family night with Contour Stream Player. Disfruta Deportes en Vivo, your favorite shows on Hulu, Netflix, Disney+, Peacock, and more with all the popular streaming apps. Y Manis, donde puedes encontrar más? En Cox.com. Manis, if you're single, looking for love, or just looking to meet new gente, you have to listen to this. I learned about the perfect app for you to find your new pareja or new amigas this year. Chispa is the number one dating app for us, Latines. Si quieres conectar with someone like you, someone who loves nuestra cultura y el perreo, you need to check out this app. Meeting new people is always a little hard, especially if you want them to be familia or abuelita approved. So, if you are single, go on Chispa and find your Mexican Bay, your Salvadorian Bay, your Boricua or Latina Bay. Next time your tías start asking, ¿Y el novio o la novia? Or they want to set you up on a blind date con el vecino, just download Chispa, meet an awesome human you connect with, and bring them to the next carne asada. Uno nunca sabe, something amazing could come out of it. Check a Chispa and tell your single friends too. It's free. Remember to let me know when you meet your human. Manis, what have you always wanted to try? Gold Peak Real Brew Tea is here to unleash your thirst for trying. For me... I always wanted to try to write a book. I would get lost in my grandfather's library exploring chapters and reviewing book covers. I often wondered what it would be like to see my name on one of those book spines. I even remember writing my name on one of them and getting in trouble for it later. For a while, being an author felt so far from reality. I simply didn't believe I could. Now that I have interviewed dozens of authors and writers who look like me, I believe I can do it again. This is why models are so important. And while I don't have the book yet, I'm taking one tiny step each day to make it happen. Gold Peak is here to ignite new passions and rekindle old ones. Take this as your sign to say yes. Take a deep breath and go for it. Porque trying is really what life is all about. This taste is worth the try. Try Gold Peak. Bueno, entonces you're in engineering, you get into the NASA program and you're like, okay, this is my end. And you kind of like move through the different programs. How do you get to where you are now? So when you're doing these internships, and I recommend internships highly, you know, to, to anyone, because it's a chance to join the workforce while you're still in college. Mm -hmm. I, I know what know what that's like. You know, you, you get out of your little college bubble and go out to the workforce like for three months. I was essentially a government employee, you know, during that time. Right. So my last internship was at Gatter Space Flight Center in Maryland. And then past the internship program, you're able to do a longer version called a co-op. And during the co-op, you're essentially hired, you know, during that time. You're still like probational, but you, you get a, a more in-depth project to work on during those times. And I think you can be there like a semester at a time. You can take a semester off from school, which counts, like which they give you credit. Huh. So you could spend a whole semester there, which is what I did. I spent a whole semester at Gatter doing a co-op close to graduation time. And then I ended up working on, on a mission called LRO, Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter. And the cool thing is that I was working on stuff that was going to be used. I worked on a test picture that was used for the satellite. Wow. So it was cutting edge work that was actually being used. I wasn't 
serving coffee. Mm -hmm. you know, I was doing substantial work. And uh, at the end of it, you do a presentation to management. I guess they liked it because they offered me a job <sighs> after college. <laughs> I did have another job offer with Boeing at the time. But of course, I, I chose NASA. You know, my heart <laughs> was with NASA <laughs> the whole time. That's how I ended up working for NASA. They, the internships were the, were the in. So what would you say to the young women who are in college listening to this, like wondering, no, it, it's not for me. Like, I don't see myself there. I mean, obviously we have you. And there's Carla, no? Who's actually going to the moon. Yeah. I would say don't shy away from opportunities, you know. Sometimes opportunities are not handed to you, but they come across, you come across these opportunities. Yeah. You can think about it, but, you know, don't be afraid to, to take the leap. I think I think that's what I did. I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I took a leap, right? Like, would I get in? I wasn't really thinking that way. I was thinking I'm going to do it. Mm. I'm going to apply. And they have to choose somebody, right? And like, why not? Why not apply? You know, I take the opportunity, even if it scares you. To me, once I realized what it all meant, it was scary. It was scary. And can I, can I make it through such a competitive field? Can I make it through such a challenging career? You can make it. And it's okay to struggle along the way. I think I read somewhere recently, if you get tired, learn to rest, mm. not quit. Ooh, yes. I think that was key during my college years because, I, you know, it was challenging. And then I kind of took a step back and I'm like, what can I do to get through this? And what did I do? I found a group of students that was struggling like me. <laughs> so when I realized like the other students in my class were also struggling, we're also going through challenging times. These classes were challenging for all of us. Once we joined forces, it wasn't so scary. We leaned on that collaboration. Mm -hmm. Like we studied together. I found that group. Stay up all night. Do, do what it takes. You know? Yes. And that's how I got through it. And the more I did it, the easier it became. It actually became easier towards the end of my career. Because you get the hang of it. You learn from your mistakes early on. Yes. You get the hang of it. Okay, now I have a system. So stick to it. You know, stick to it. I agree. Just rest. Don't quit. Just rest. Don't quit. I love that. I'm part of the nap club, so I'm, I'm here with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell me about Artemis. What do we need to know about it? Yeah. So the goal of Artemis is to send, which this part is really cool, the first woman and the first person of color to the moon. That is huge, you know, to be able to establish a presence on the moon to eventually get to Mars. That is the goal of Artemis as a whole. Wow. Pretty cool stuff. <laughs> and what's your role with Artemis? Okay. So part of Artemis is also to establish a, a lunar station, which is going to be called the Gateway. I work for the mm. Gateway program. This lunar station is, uh, think of it, a, a sort of a mini space station. It's about maybe a quarter of the size, roughly, of the International Space Station. And we'll be orbiting the moon. And it will be a place where astronauts can live, can work, right? Where supplies can be stored and where experiments can be executed. It's sort of a hub, a base point close to the moon where we can establish a presence. So it's like hanging in the sky, in the space? <laughs> Yeah, it orbits the moon because, you know, when a big body such as the moon, it has gravity right. that helps to keep it orbiting. Just like the, the space station, but the space station is orbiting Earth. It's the same concept, but it's orbiting the moon. So this is where I'm going to be like, okay, you have to talk to me like I'm five. So. <laughs> 
So Artemis 1 is looking to take humans to the moon and then Mars. So is the moon kind of like a pit stop to jump into Mars? Okay, there's going to be a, a series of Artemis missions. So actually Artemis 1, which is slated to fly August 29th or not earlier than August 29th. Artemis 1 is an uncrewed flight. It's a test flight to qualify the rocket and uh, the capsule, which is the Orion spacecraft. That's Artemis 1. Okay. Artemis 2 will take astronauts to orbit the moon. And this is still part of, you know, testing, get, getting all the systems checked out to eventually Artemis 3 be able to land on the moon. But there's Artemis 4 or 5, you know, it, it's a whole series. The whole idea of it, the whole mission is to, yeah, to be able to establish an infrastructure on the moon to eventually get to Mars. But I think to answer your question more, I don't know if you asked me why we're going to the moon. First is because the moon is a safer place to work because it's only three days away from earth okay but at the same time it's a place where we can learn so much about being outside of earth here we're going to learn what it takes to build something outside of earth and work here what does the land look like here can we build here can you know that's why we're choosing to go to the moon first okay now you as an engineer you help manage the project what does a day-to-day look like in the life of Catherine working on Artemis 1? Artemis is the big umbrella program, and then there's Gateway. And within Gateway, I work on a project called Deep Space Logistics. Okay. So the Deep Space Logistics program is set up to establish a supply chain. So essentially to take cargo, equipment, experiments up to this lunar station. And there's a mission planned for deep space logistics for every Artemis crewed mission. So every time astronauts go to this lunar station, we will be sending a logistics module, which is what our vehicle is called, our vehicle that carries cargo. So every time there's a crew there, we will be sending cargo. So within the deep space logistics project, I am a docking systems and hatches subject matter expert. What does that mean? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So the docking is the safe connection of two vehicles, two space vehicles. Okay. Flying in space, right? They have to come together and autonomously dock, so connect safely one to the other. And then the other part is the hatches. Like once the vehicles are connected, you have to be able to safely pass cargo and crew from one module to the other. The hatch allows for that. You have to make sure both environments are safe and within a certain level of pressure to be able to transfer from one to the other. So I more specifically work with those systems. How many times do you have to test it in order for you to give it a green light? Uh, Yeah, good question. A lot of testing goes into it. A lot of prototyping goes into it. Luckily for us, we're working with, uh, with SpaceX on this. And they have systems already established that they've been using. That they've been using their Dragon vehicle for some time now to go to the space station. So they've awarded the first logistics mission to SpaceX. So SpaceX already has established systems that work, and they have established testing and verification that you know that has been used. Mm. There's an advantage to that. We we also will eventually welcome other commercial providers. And, you know, that's, that's the beauty of this, too. Collaborating with other commercial providers allows for a lot of innovation. New technologies can develop from this. 
Speaking of innovation, how have you seen, since you've been with NASA for a long time, technology improve and maybe shift the way that NASA is not working and with space? I mean, of course, you know, we have like better pictures, but what else do you see? Yeah, there's a lot that NASA does that maybe people are not aware of. Mm -hmm. For instance, NASA works a lot with the aviation industry. A lot of the systems on airplanes, you know, and air traffic come from NASA. They've been used by NASA, tested by NASA, you know, so for safer flight, for safer aircraft, you know, that's one thing. Communication, it's another huge thing. Like so many communication satellites going up, you know, the GPS, like things that you use every day that you probably don't even think about, the tracker on your Apple Watch, right? Distance tracker that's linked to a satellite, the navigation system on your phone, like all these things have improved substantially over time. And that's because we keep renewing the technologies, renewing the satellites. There's also a lot that's being done for the environment, looking at oceans and studying weather patterns, you know, all that comes from NASA. The way you get your weather on your phone. Mm. So many things linked to to NASA technologies behind the scenes that you may not know about, but it's it's pretty cool to see that there's so much involvement. For sure. Where can people find out more about Artemis and your work? Yeah, I would point them to the NASA.gov website, you know, and, and NASA has has a big social media presence. So you, you can yeah. find them on Instagram, you can find them on Twitter, Facebook, you can search for Artemis, or you can search for Gateway, and you'll find more information or just NASA in general, you know, the, mm. you can find out about all the missions that are up and coming. What's your favorite thing about working at NASA? Let's see. I think my favorite thing has to be being around the hardware, being around this launch vehicles, uh, around rockets. You know, when I first transferred here to Kennedy Space Center, I had the opportunity to to work with the integration of, of rockets. So you see these huge pieces of hardware, the, the stages, you know, the, the rockets of different stages to build up. So you see them being put together in these huge rooms with huge cranes, huge equipment, and then eventually seeing them fly. You know, we, right. we have launches here in the Space Coast almost every week, sometimes twice a week. Wow. That is so cool. And to, you know, to be able to take my son and our, our kids to see them up close and to be part of history, this next launch of Artemis 1 is a historic launch, you know, and, and we're here for it. Yeah. Sometimes we get to, to go on center to watch them a little bit closer with it. So that's, that's going to be my wow. favorite part. <laughs> that's awesome. Is it going to be televised, you know, or like, could people watch the launch? Yeah, it will be televised and I could probably get you a more direct link. But yeah, NASA TV will televise it also. Nice. How exciting. Okay. So I want to do something fun. I want to throw in some rapid fire questions. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so all you have to do is fill in the blanks. So I'll ask a question and you tell me the first thing that comes up. And there's no wrong answer. You know, it's just like, boom. Ready? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. As ready as I'm going to (laughs) be. Okay. So what is the biggest success you're celebrating right now? My son. Yay. What's the lesson that you're still learning? Patience. (laughs) Have you made it? Making it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What is something you've been putting off for months? Shiplap wall in my home. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's a weekend project. Vix or Te de Manzanilla? Manzanilla. 
Because totally. those are the two biggest remedios that we get, like the most really? common ones. <laughs> mm -hmm. What is love? Love is knowing how to wait and, have, mm -hmm. and being patient and being kind. Nice. I love that. Joy or peace? Peace. <laughs> Discipline or habits? Discipline. They didn't think I could blank, but I did. Make it as an engineer. Mm. Give me blank and I will blank. Give me materials and I will build it. <laughs> yes. What's stopping you? Fear. What are you willing to fail over and over? Accomplishing my goals. What is a talk you can do without prep? Self-talk. What do you want right now? <laughs> I want to grow my family. What are you creating today? <laughs> I'm paving the way for the future. What is the future? Future is watching my kids grow, enjoying them, having time for them. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for humoring me on these. I've been meaning to do like rapid fires because they're just fun. And so I finally came up with the questions and these are going to be the last three questions. One, what is your remedio? So in my family or yeah, in my family, they like to put this little string in the baby's forehead and it's like, you know, with saliva like that for hiccups. Does it work? Eh. <laughs> I think it works as much as you believe in it. <laughs> right, right. It's faith. It's faith. You know, like you, you want to believe that it works. So right, right, right. it does sometimes. <laughs> and it has to be a red string, no? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah. So, to see it, it is very funny. I've seen it done. I've seen it done. So I, I can attest. I've seen people too, like, um, you know, for a bite, they do like a little cross on the bite. With your nail? Seems, yeah, with your nail. <laughs> it seems to help. I have tried that one too. <laughs> hmm. Okay. For a mosquito bite? We'll try that one. And is there a quote or a mantra that you live by right now? There is. The short version of it is impossible is nothing. I always loved that, you know, when I first saw it. And it comes actually from a longer quote from Muhammad Ali that says, impossible is just a big word thrown around by small men who find it easier to live in the world they've been given than to explore the power that they have to change it. Impossible is not a fact. It's an opinion. Impossible is not a declaration. It's a dare. Impossible is potential. Impossible is temporary impossible is nothing that's awesome that's a great quote and the last question is do you because i'm a recovering procrastinator so do you have a productivity tip that you use a tactic or a tool so yeah i mean call me old-fashioned but i still use an agenda yes i still use a paper you know a solid physical thing not a phone uh -huh. not a device i write things down here it's um broken down by hour. It's a big page per day, right? It's not like a tiny space. But anything I have to do or have to accomplish, I put it there, especially the, the daily tasks, you know, and I have to, I'm one of those people have to check them off the list. Mm. So that, that works for me. I know, you know, there's different people have different brains and different ways of looking at it. But, you know, I'm old fashioned. I still have my old-fashioned agenda nice nice write it down listeners write it down yeah and do the task that you're dreading do that one first mm. and then the other ones will be a breeze that's my other tip so what's next for you my lifetime goal you know is, is to become an astronaut 
and I keep applying every time they, they have a call for it. I, you know, I put in my application. In the meantime, I try to do things that would sort of set me aside. Like, you know, the, there's courses that I can take or certifications that I could have, you know, for instance, and in, I could learn how to fly. That would set me apart, right? Or I could get my scuba certification. That would set me aside. So those are things I could do now for this ultimate goal of becoming an astronaut. I also want to do this program at the International Space University. It's called the Space Studies Program, and they offer it in the summers. And it's offered in, in a different location around the world every year. That's something also that, that I would love to do because it's, it's an immersive workshop that teaches you about space and international relations and, and all that in, into one course. So. I would love to do that as well. Yeah. You've applied a couple of times to become an astronaut and you're still doing it. So perseverance. I'm still doing it and there's no age limit. So oh, anybody out there that's always thought about, hey, or maybe when you were a little kid, you, you thought I want to be an astronaut. You know, it's not too late. Do it. Yes. Do the things that, that will set you apart. Learn how to fly, get the certifications, you know, like and apply. It, it's open, right? If you meet the qualifications, you can apply. Just to be able to apply was was a huge thing for me, you know. And I have I have my little note card that I they sent you back, I'm like you apply. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I encourage anyone out there, you know, to, that meets a qualification to do it because we need astronauts. We need the next generation of astronauts. Yes, and explorers. Do it, everyone. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for being at Cafe Con Pam. Tell us where we can find you. Do you have any like social media where we can follow your journey that you want to share? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my handle is cat on the moon. So K-A-T on the moon. <laughs> nice. And then I, I have I have Facebook. I'm under cat Vasquez, B-A-S-Q-E-Z. I have Twitter as well, cat underscore Vasquez. So if you have any questions, uh, need any sort of mentorship or anything I can do, feel free to reach out. Thank you for offering that. That's so generous of you. Thank you for all your work and making sure we get to the moon. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for letting me spread the message, you know, and try to inspire the next generation. Yes, yes. And to you listeners, if you want to be the next astronaut, like Catherine said, there's no age limit. So get your studies on. <laughs> all right. Thank you so, so much for being here. Pam, thank you for, for having me on the show. Stay shining. Bueno, listeners, that was my conversation with Catherine. What do you think? Do you see possibilities now? Do you potentially, I mean, one thing that I was like, wait a minute, what? When she said there's no age limit to become an astronaut. What? So I'm curious to know how many of you heard that piece and were like, sign me up. Or maybe you got curious and you researched what are the requirements. Or maybe you already knew it and I was the only one in the world that did not know that. <laughs> so let me know. I would love to know what your thoughts are, what you thought about the rapid fire questions, all the things. I want to hear you. I want to hear you, whether you tag me on Instagram and give me that feedback through there or join the Stay Shining Club and we can have more conversations in there as well because it's fun when, you, when we literally discuss what we talked about in the show. All right, listeners, if this is your first time here, welcome to Cafe Con Pam. I hope you feel at home. I hope this is a place where you want to return and have your cafecito, your morning tea, your cleaning with your instead of your cumbias. You know, it's just an hour. When I clean, it's like 
two or three hours. So thank you for giving us that space in your ears. I so, so, so appreciate it. I do want to make sure that you know that I don't take any single one of you for granted. I know some of you listen to 20 minutes of the show because look, I I look at the data. I look at the behind the scenes. That's okay. I mean, maybe, you know, subscribe so you can get the reminder that you kind of left off halfway. Maybe you got bored. Let me know if you do, because I'm always looking to improve. Don't be mean, though, because, you know, when you attack me personally, then you're not giving me constructive feedback. You're just mad. So (laughs) please do subscribe, rate and review if you haven't done so already. It helps the podcast tremendously. Share it with a friend, with anyone whom you think would benefit from this episode. Seriously, it helps a ton when you share. It helps a ton when you listen fully. It helps a ton when you are subscribed and so much more when you leave a rating and even more so when you leave a review. This is kind of like in podcasts, in the podcast world, your ratings, your subscriptions and your reviews is like a Google Maps review on a restaurant. It matters that much, you know, because I'm sure when you've gone to a restaurant and you're like, oh, do I want to go to this taco place or to this other taco place. And more times than not, you'll go to the one that has the best reviews or the most stars, right? Same thing happens with the show. (laughs) So yeah, I so appreciate all of the time that you put into leaving all your stars to me. Let's stay connected. I would love to stay connected. I already shared the Stay Shining Club, stayshining.club. Literally, it's how you join. Very easy. You can follow me on social media at Cafe Compan Podcast, both Instagram and Facebook. You know, I joined the TikTok. So it's at Cafe Compan Pod on the TikTok. I have no videos yet, so I would love you if you follow me because it would make my day to be like, oh, you want to follow me because I have nothing in here. So that would be fun. And I have ways to stay connected. If this is your first time hanging out with me, thank you so much. And thank you for being all the way here. There are other ways to explore my work. If you are in corporate, a corporate executive, in a DEI group, part of an affinity group, and you are interested in having me come over to your company and talk about identity, talk about Galleta culture, talk about Latina Equal Pay Day because Hispanic Heritage Month is coming. And so I am open. I'm currently booking. I have already a couple of spots that have been secured from companies where I'm going to be showing up and sharing my work and facilitating conversations. Pero todavía ideas are available. So let me know. You can send an email to maru, hola at cafecompam.com, and we will redirect you to all the places and spaces to find out more and maybe potentially schedule a call. If you are interested in the other type of work that I do, then you get two free challenges that if you want to test me out and you, if you want to figure out who Pam is, cafecompamchallenge.com. It takes you to a get organized challenge. I've already said that I'm going to update it because I've changed. I have evolved. I have found new tools. And so I still want to continue to give you ways to be more productive as a recovering procrastinator. I am always seeking ways to be better, more effective. How can I include rest and still get things done in a way that feel good and easy and still make money while we do all of those things? How fun, no? Thank you so much for being here one more time. Y bueno, follow your dreams, everyone. Y como siempre, stay shining. Sabrosura, pa ti que, que.